Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. Hey everyone, here is Daniel Budai with another episode of our Ecom show. And today I'm here with Ben Parr, the co-founder of uh, Octane AI. And uh, I already met actually the other co-founder uh, in Boston uh, two years ago at the Clavio conference uh, with Matt. And um, yeah, I'm really excited today to have Ben here. How are you, Ben? Doing excellent. Uh, happy Friday. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, amazing. So let's uh, let's not start with the technical things. Let's start with some personal stories. So uh, before the recording, you just told me you lived in many, many different places. And, uh, and why is that? And please tell us more about your uh, story. Where did you start with digital marketing? I guess you didn't uh, learn it in high school as most uh, marketers, they don't do. Um, how did you get started back then and when, when was it? Well, that's two different questions. So let me start with the first one. So, uh, November, 2019, uh, my girlfriend and I were living in New York city and there was a fire that happened in our apartment building in the unit above us. And so we had to leave. They had to like have fire trucks, water, like luckily no fire damage, but lots of water damage. So everything got packed up. We like, luckily insurance covered it like, you know, our living expenses while we had to stay out. And we stayed for the winter in LA. And then we went back to move into a new place in New York in March, 2020, the day before we moved in, they found bed bugs in the place we were going to move into. And it was like, well, not going to go and live with bed bugs. And it was the same day that the NBA shut down and COVID became a really, really uh, taken seriously. And so Instead of staying in New York City, we went upstate to an Airbnb in Woodstock in upstate New York, and we rode out the first wave there. And ever since then, my partner and I have been in a different Airbnb or different hotel all across the United States for the last 18 months, uh, everywhere from Vermont to Michigan to Virginia to Tulsa, Oklahoma to the Grand Canyon. And after 40 places, in 19 geographies in 12 states, we finally made them uh, an actual move and we're now living here in Los Angeles and Culver City in particular. But it was quite an adventure going across the country during COVID, but also like quite freeing because we had the ability to like go to places that were really outdoors and had hiking and had space. Yeah. Do you think it was actually the best time to have it during COVID? I mean, so many people, they were just stuck in their homes. And uh, even myself, I was a bit jealous of people who, who traveled. Uh, I, I couldn't. And uh, for me, it sounds like it was actually a good timing for that. Uh, got weirdly lucky with with that, you know, got weirdly lucky with bed bugs. And um, yeah, if there was a time to be mobile, it was definitely during uh, COVID. And we got to see, was very lucky to see so many beautiful places and live in places like I would never have lived in Vermont if I had never had that chance or lived in Connecticut if I had not had that chance. And so very grateful for that. Yeah. And uh, 
but also moving every single month is is not fun as and anyone knows moving once is not fun imagine moving a car full of stuff every single month uh there's a certain point where you're like let's not do that anymore yeah i i get that i also lived by the way in six different places in two months uh earlier this year uh just for some fun mm-hmm. uh and now i just got a flat in the end because yeah it's just a lot of time and energy everything um yeah let's get uh, into the past a bit so this is my second question so how did you get started with online marketing and what's your journey in a nutshell so i so I'll even before that so i started out as um, in college you know and uh, like I was a physics major, realized I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be on the science, on the research, on the business end of science and technology and innovation, really focused in on entrepreneurship. They took one, the one course that they had there and helped expand the entrepreneurship program. But when I first, like, my first job was actually helping build Facebook apps uh, for the early Facebook app ecosystem with a mentor of mine. And it was just like a, like, like a job to do before I graduated. But I found that I really liked a lot of the things. And it was like the first time learning anything about marketing. And then my other mentor afterwards hired me to do like web health work and like doing content stuff. So I kind of learned a little bit on the job. But I'm going to tell you that learning about back pain and like talking about that kind of thing is not maybe my number one passion in life. But what really made my career and made my like understanding of marketing and everything else is the thing I'm probably, one of the things I'm best known for, which is, my time as co-editor and editor at Large and Mashable. So in like, you know, uh, 2009, 2010, I moved out to the West Coast and I began writing for Mashable. And, you know, I got lucky. I got recommended. I wrote articles. Those worked really well. And I wrote 2,446 articles in my four, three and a half, four years there. Got to meet everyone across in the, across the sun, all the investors, all the like founders got to be there for major launches, learn from the marketing strategies of all these other people. And then, you know, afterwards I was trying to help startups. I did a venture fund where I helped startups with their marketing, their press, their customer user acquisition. And that led to a book, which is like the other half of like my marketing expertise. And so I wrote a book, a best-selling book for HarperCollins called Captivology, which goes through the science and psychology of attention, why we pay attention to certain people, products, companies, and ideas, and how to utilize them. And so I had conversations with 50 of the world's top PhDs in attention to memory, as well as business leaders like Sheryl Sandberg, Stephen Soderbergh, David Copperfield, to really fundamentally understand the science of attention and how that can be applied. And I've taken this very unique approach to understanding marketing and learning about how you build attention from both like the media perspective and from the investor perspective and from like this perspective of doing some deep research nobody else had ever had ever done. And uh kind of informed my thinking when i think my co-founder ceo matt we were talking about and i and our co-founder cto leaf started octet ai and then all the rest has been it's always just learning on the job right you, you just yeah. have to like you have to learn from a mentor we have to learn by talking to people or you have to learn by doing and those are like the three methods for me yeah 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 um <clears throat> probably you are a first guest here who has a Wikipedia profile. Uh, I, I googled your name and I found it. And uh, 
I think that's great. I, and I think in the image you are with Gary Vaynerchuk on a conference. Um, hmm. Oh, yeah, I know which conference that is. It's a conference in Las Vegas way back in the day. Uh, that was one of my very first assignments at Mashable. They had this thing. It was called like Blog World Expo or something like that. Anyway, hmm. back in the old social media days. Yeah, I, I, I could see that Gary was much younger as well. And uh, I think he's a, he's a kind of role model for many agency owners, many people. When I started out, he was also a kind of, you know, people who I, I looked up to. Uh, still, I do. And uh, <clears throat> you mentioned that you met a lot of investors and business people, the different experts. And I'm really curious, maybe if you can say one or two names who really influenced you and, and why. That would be really interesting to hear. Influenced me. That's interesting. Because, I mean, it depends on, like, different things. So, like, like one, mentors really, really matter. And so, like, some of the names are not yeah. going to be names you're going to all know. But, like, yeah. my main mentor was a, is a man named uh, Mark Ackler. And he runs a venture fund over in Chicago called Math Venture Partners. He's actually the former president of Kinesoft, which helped invent DirectX, <laughs> the, like, technology that underlies a lot of computers. And he taught me a lot about just like how work works and, you know, marketing and like how you like uh, be productive and help me with a lot of the first ones. But, you know, across the journey, yeah, I've gotten to have super interesting conversations with like different people stick out to me for different reasons. Like yeah. uh, Dr. Stephen Wolfram <laughs> sticks out as somebody who's just like super intelligent when I had the conversation with him when I had my book. During my book research, David Copperfield is one that really sticks out. Just one of the most thoughtful human beings I've ever met in terms of thinking about every little piece of the construction of the stage is something he thinks about because he wants to have the absolute perfect experience for his audience. I think he's like, you know, if he was a CEO of a tech company, he'd be very meticulous, but there'd be a reason for it. He'd be like, the little details do really matter. And sometimes I have to even remember, like, every little detail can really matter when it comes to an announcement or a launch or a marketing campaign or an advertising campaign. Um, there's a lot of super interesting people um, I've definitely gotten to meet over the years. So uh, that's just like a couple of examples of people who yeah. have been really interesting, but for very like, like a variety of different reasons too. Yeah, I think that's a great answer and uh, I'm, I'm very similar. So I, I couldn't name one, two people uh because you just pick the knowledge from so many different people and you just pick one two things from each uh and you just you know mix it up and and it become it becomes your knowledge in the end um yeah so let's talk about octane ai um what was the initial idea with octane and and uh we also used it our agency the messenger chatbot tool but i know many things uh, have changed since then you have the new survey tool so what was the initial idea with with octane and when did you start uh by the way how many years ago so octane is five years old we started the company in 2016 and great when we first started what when we first started the company it was messenger chatbots today we're what we call zero party data marketing platform. And I will explain exactly what that means and what zero party data is yeah, in just a second. But we were messenger first and 
you know, building chatbots and like helping your customers communicate and have conversations with them with their customers over messaging. And that's still a core of everything we do, right? We just help customers have better conversations. Our customers have better conversations with their shoppers, with their customers. Um, and that's evolved a lot since then. So today for Octonii, the problem that everyone has, uh, especially right now we see in e-commerce and I've been talking with a lot of stores, uh, especially in person recently, is that, you know, it's their conversion rates are obviously like really critical for everything, not the on-site conversion rate, your conversion rate of like your abandoned carts, your conversion rate of like your like loyalty, repeat purchases, subscription. They're all being affected by the recent changes that have happened with privacy and data, right? Like iOS privacy changes have dramatically changed ad rates. Uh, The eventual, what they call the cookie apocalypse is going to make third-party cookies obsolete. And it's going to be, if you're not adjusting for that now, you're going to be in real trouble. People who already haven't adjusted for it are already like seeing the impact now. So how do you solve that? The answer is to collect direct data from your customers and get explicit permission from them. So instead of relying on third-party data that you borrow from Facebook that you don't own, but and they can take from away from you at any time, you call directly collect data from your customers. You ask them directly like who they are, what they're looking for, what they're trying to shop for, and use that data to personalize the shopping experience. So you need tools that can go and help you collect that data, structure that data, and then leverage that data, which is exactly what Octane AI is today. And so we help all these e-commerce brands like unlock higher conversion rates and, you know, build up their audience by collecting this, what we call zero party data, which is data you directly collect and ask for from customers to personalize like the conversations that they have with their customers and the customer journey at every stage. So key product we're best known for is our shop quiz product, uh, which allows you to do basically have a conversation with the customers on the site. A lot of brands, you know, like, you know, the quiz, like most people who come to a website don't even know what they're trying to buy. They may know like, I need food for my dog, but I don't know what kind is right. Or I know I need to buy jewelry for my girlfriend or my boyfriend, but I don't know exactly what to get. Having some guidance like you would have in the store is really critical to like helping your customers and improving their experience. And that's what the shop quiz does. Learns about the customers, makes product recommendations. We see conversion rates of 10% or higher on those quizzes. Some are in like 30% plus huge list. One customer increased the revenue by 57%. See why some there's a case study on Octania.com. They increased the revenue by 57% in two months because they added this quiz and they added this customer journey automation. But that's like part one. The part two is now you collect, you've had collected this data. You can go and leverage it in Facebook Messenger, in SMS, connect it to your Clavio to send more targeted emails. It's about a little bit later in the like funnel, like the stage where you're trying to build the relationship and to make them loyal repeat customers and to you know increase the LTV, which is something I know uh, you really care about. Like we see the LTV of customers who take quizzes usually go up by anywhere from 10 to 50%, depending on the brand. All these things combined mean like you're collecting data, which is what you need to do, and you're making the shopping experience better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I know that Clavio, our primary partner, they also uh, focus on this area. They call it uh, owned uh, data and owned um, owned marketing, because uh, nowadays there are so many changes with these uh, third-party uh, data and and cookies and all of that. Uh, that you need these own data and uh, you should try to get as much data from your uh, visitors and customers as you can. 
Um, let's get a bit tactical. So what would be a few ways of getting this data from the from the visitors? What do you think? So what, I mean, that's that that's what so like that's what we specialize in, right? Like so like we work really well with the Clavio because Clavio helps you store and leverage that data. We're help, we're the best at collecting that data. So like shop quiz, for example, is like a quiz is an incredible way to collect this data. You just don't think about it that way. It's I'm a skincare brand. I want to know, are they looking for either they have oily skin, dry skin? What's their skin tone? What products are they looking for? Do they have allergies? As like a couple examples. And now with this information, yes, I can make product recommendations, but now I can personalize everything else about the customer journey. I can be asking much more specific questions or sending more specific emails. So now I don't have to send an email to everybody who has dry skin about products for oily skin, for example. I already have segmented those customers. I can send that data into a Clavio to automatically segment. Um, we have a new secret product coming out soon. You can go and DM me if you want to get some, like, you want me to send you the early access page. But we have a new secret product that will make it even easier to collect this data, you know, all across the site in a way that I'm just shocked has not been done before. And we're going to be having a big announcement about it pretty soon. So definitely, like, tune in to, like, octane and the, we'll have some announcements in the next couple of weeks but you can just dm me if you want to have the link but we, there's like a bunch of ways to go and collect the data but the number one thing is you have to have a way to ask your customers these questions and a quiz is a really really powerful and important way to go and do it yeah yeah and uh i we our team we also really like that uh because you know there is type form survey monkey there are other survey tools as well but uh Octane AI can be branded. Uh, you can work with the design. And once the survey part is over, you can uh, recommend uh, related products and people can buy. And we could see good results. Uh, you have some case studies as well where the revenue could uh, directly increase because of these surveys. So I think that's great. Um, we have a comment from Adam on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I will just read it out. Um, ben, how do you suggest brands create questions that drive revenue for customers and ROI for brands themselves? Um, what's a good framework to follow to build quizzes? I feel as though some brands aren't really sure where to start when it comes to building a quiz and a lot of questions are fluffy, don't drive uh, any value for brands or elevate the customer experience. So we're actually going to be publishing a framework soon, but we have one internally. Like one, you want, like we have experts within Octave AI that like your, your agency, your store, you want to just have a conversation. We have a lot of guidance in terms of like the framework that you like might want to go and follow. But I mean, the big question is just start with like what, like think of, here's a simple heuristic. What, if you had a physical store, what are the questions that the person walking into the store are most likely to ask? If it's a shoe store, for example, they're mostly likely to ask about things like shoe size or width or material or brand, right? So like go backwards from like, if uh, the customer was walking into the store, what are they gonna be asking to make a decision? And use that as a framework for the first question to ask. And you don't have to have 10, 15 questions for a quiz. Just get something, like literally you can build one in like, an hour with Octane. Like go and just get something up because collecting any data and giving any guidance to customers is better than zero, right? Even one question 
automatically makes it better. Like if you're a pet brand, cat or dog, suddenly you could build a much better experience with a single question through not just the website, but through the emails you send and the messenger messages you send and the SMS messages you send because we can help you segment that too. Yeah, I think uh, the best is to start it simple. Start with one question, three questions. Don't set up 12. And also, in my experience, the fewer questions you have, the higher conversion rate you will have. Uh, there is less friction. Um, so just start it very simply. And of course, you can check out your competitors, uh, what they do. Um, and you can get ideas from those companies as well. So you mentioned uh, attention and uh, how to get more attention. Uh, we mentioned Gary V's name as well, and he's great at it. So let's let's talk about it as well. What would you recommend uh, to uh, e-commerce brands? Uh, how to get more attention? How to build it up? Uh, I'm curious what you think. Oh, wasn't that the like billion-dollar question that all e-commerce brands ask? Uh, they certainly ask me. Um, there's no one silver bullet, and I wish there were, because uh, I think every single kind of brand has a different way. It, like, it depends. First of all, in the book, I talk about different stages of attention. And so you have to know what stage you're at, right? You, If you're, brand, you're just starting out, you have to find a way to get any attention at all versus like you've built up some attention. Now you have to think about how do you build up a wider net and or the repeat attention of your existing customers, which I think, you know, you and I know are more valuable customers than like new customers coming in. And so it really matters like what's the stage and like what, like what is the main objective? Is it just like brand new fresh customers or is it like a specific subset of customers? Is it a specific area? And then, you know, depending on the product, it really depends on what's going to really resonate with them for, you know, beauty brands, for example, you probably will have a better chance with influencers that, have audiences on TikTok and Instagram versus like if you're selling a high-end high-end pieces of furniture, you might want to really focus in on SEO as like an example, yeah. or or you might want to focus in on ads because you get a high you have a high LTV for the customers you do bring in, and so you have more room with your ads. And so you got to really pick and choose which um, which thing you're going to go and do. And it's really based on what you're selling and what your brand is. And I know that's not a super satisfying answer, but that's the only real answer to this question. You have to really know, you know, like based on the product, like where is your audience and what do they resonate with? And, but like there are like, like, <laughs> like once you find a system that works, whether it's influencers, whether it's ads, whether it's PR, whether it's something else entirely, like then you need to go and just like scale that up and like it, make it an equation and figure out how do you feed that equation and expand the audience from there. And there's a lot more like nuances. I could spend four hours talking about the nuances of how do you make a more compelling ad than a less compelling ad or how do you get the right influencers versus the wrong influencers. Uh, you could probably just tweet at me or LinkedIn me because uh, we would spend a couple days here trying to parse all of that out. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't spend a few days uh, on this podcast. So yeah, there is no golden answer. I, I totally agree. And uh, ultimately, it's about uh, testing a lot. So I talked to so many uh, successful entrepreneurs and they were not particularly smart, you know, that they were not Stephen Hawking or, or Einstein's. 
but they just tested a lot ultimately uh, in everything, marketing-wise and, and in, in everything. Um, so I have two more questions. So one is, uh, I know you really like uh, innovation and, and um, you follow the trends. Um, what would you expect uh, in the next, let's say, six, 12 months in the world of e-commerce? What trends you can see and what, what would you expect? I mean, obvious trend, I, I'll repeat only one more, is like the changing privacy rules and like the end of third-party cookies means that you do need to have direct data and you need to do this deeper personalization with data that you directly collect. It's just, it's the biggest, one of the biggest ones. It's more top of mind with e-commerce brands now since it's already having an impact on conversion rates. Um, I think a lot about uh, what's like, it's crazy how much the Shopify ecosystem in particular has grown, but just e-commerce in general. There's just yeah. so many, there's so many more tools and products out there. And there's so many big ones that are going to be IPOing in the next couple of years. And so many e-commerce brands that are IPOing and doing successfully. I think what you're going to see is just like the growth is not stopping is the, like the biggest one. And what's going to happen over the next couple of years is this, we're going to see probably, frankly, more like big winners coming out. And like some of the big winners haven't even been started yet. And so there's still time to plenty of time, really, because e-commerce is never going to like stop as a thing. It's going to be a vertical that's almost like, you know, how we talk about tech in terms of just the sheer volume of companies being started and successes being made and uh, like the infrastructure to support it, all the tools and all the products that you need, it, it's only getting crazier and getting like more profound and easier to build a business. Yeah, and uh, if you look at a few software companies, I think Clavio became a $9 billion uh, company, uh, Klarna, more than 40, 40 billion. billion. Recharge yeah, sure. two billion. Uh, yeah. Yahoo is a billion and a half. There's there's a ton of examples now, but like yeah. this is like early days, like early early days. You're gonna have companies with like you're gonna have more Shopify's, and then you also have like companies like Figs and others that are like IPOing that are doing really well. And there's gonna be a bunch more of those too. And consolidation, just a lot of interesting interesting innovations, just because you can build a brand more easily and. Probably also the trend of, you know, uh, e-commerce brands on their own versus Amazon. And like, there's like, obviously a lot of e-commerce brands who rely on both Amazon and like their own storefront or one or the other, but it's going to like, there'll be more, there will be even more friction than there already is over the next couple of years as like e-commerce brands realize the data that they have is their most valuable asset. And that data is like being leveraged by Amazon to go and do a bunch of things and make decisions to be made on like which channel which thing where can you really grow you know what's the like risk factor you know the more you can own the better yeah yeah, yeah. is there any any other advice that you would give to e-commerce business owners uh use octane i mean we, we went through but i mean i'm i am i mean regardless of what you use, collect data. Like that's, I know I, that's the mantra I keep on saying by the time, by the way, this podcast comes out, the new product will probably have been announced. So yeah. if you're listening to the podcast, 
all the new secret will be revealed. I promise it's worth it. It's super, I'm super pumped as you can tell. Um, but beyond that, you know, I think a lot about just rapid tested iteration, which is you, none of us know really anything. The only way we learn something is by doing something at small scale and trying it quickly and seeing if something works and then repeating it. And then coming back later, if you're like, there may be another way to go and do it. I'm just running like hundred, we're just running dozens of tests, trying to see like what thing sticks and yeah. talking to customers, like to see if something sticks, which is another thing to do, which is like talk to customers. You know, there's no, again, no silver bullet. You just have to like push through. And uh, if you survive, then you will always be able to like build a business. Yeah, exactly. Um... Ben, if anyone wants to find you where they can reach out, that's my last question for today. So first for Octane, at OctaneAI, O-C-T-A-N-E-A-I, OctaneAI.com, at OctaneAI on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whichever network that you prefer. And then at Ben Parr, B-E-N-P-A-R-R on literally everything, on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever kind of thing, Instagram. I'm around. Uh, my DMs are open. I uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't tell people that, but I will see them even if I don't always respond because it's a crazy list. But uh, yeah, I'm easy to find. Yeah, we will put the links uh, into the description so anyone can reach out. I think originally we also connected on Facebook on Messenger, so Ben is really open to DMs indeed. Um, yeah, thanks uh, for coming. Uh, here today or at least virtually um and thanks everyone who listened to us today every week we are uh, coming out with a new episode we invite uh, e-commerce uh, entrepreneurs and uh, agencies software companies helping them um thanks again thanks for having me see you all hope you enjoyed this episode of the ecom show podcast If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called Top 3% E-commerce Email Marketing or check out our website, thebudaimedia.com. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.